I guess the big question is when are these autonomous vehicles going to arrive? You know, Tom, I have to interrupt you there because, you know, the real problem, and it's a problem created not by you, but by people you've met in your career. I think we could have a really good long conversation. About anything. I want to talk about you and dry cleaning. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of My Wildest Prediction with Tom Goodwin. Today we are blessed with the presence of Alex Roy. Uh, he is a former executive at the self-driving company Argo AI. He's the founder of a transportation consultancy called Johnson & Roy. But most interestingly of all, he's the author of The Driver, which tells the fascinating story of him breaking the cannonball record by driving extremely fast across America. Um, Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks for having you on. Thank you so much, Tom. I'm thrilled to be on the show with you. Uh, let, let's sort of kick this off with your wildest prediction. <laughs> well, I have two, and they're intertwined. The first one is that autonomous vehicles are inevitable. Wow. Absolutely inevitable. But the second, well, they're sister predictions, is that human driving will never die. So they're going to coexist at the same time? Absolutely going to coexist. I guess the big question is when are these autonomous vehicles going to arrive? Like a lot of things, it depends on what you, how you define arrive uh, and where. Uh, so you, know, you can go places like Phoenix, Scottsdale area in Arizona, where I currently live, and you can get one right now. Uh, a driverless taxi will pick me up in my apartment and take me around. But if you want to do that in New York City, you're going to be waiting a long, long time. So that's it. Everything is gradual. I mean, aviation has been around for since the what late uh, 19th century, but you didn't get an airport in every small town for another 50 to 75 years. We're less yeah, patient now. We want it now. We, we, we've seen all the kind of the reports. We've seen the analysts thinking, I want to go to sort of Tuscany and be driven around in a small Fiat 500. When's that going to happen? Tuscany, maybe uh, a medium timeline within decades. You know, I uh, the way I learned of you, uh, was from a commercial that made me very angry and, and highlights this exact point. There was for a long time a, a, a uh, an interstitial ad on CNN with very dramatic video footage of storms and like robots moving and, and people like running. And the narrator says, things are moving faster than ever before. How are we to keep up? And every time I hear that, I get angry. And, and then one day I read you on LinkedIn. I'm like, this guy gets it. Like, it's everyone thinks change is everything everywhere all at once. It never is. Never. What's holding it back? There's no such thing as an invention which is created and then immediately propagates within days or weeks globally. The only exception to that might be an app, a phone-based app. But anything physical in the real world takes really, at the very least, years, um, but certainly decades to become ubiquitous. But normally there's this sense that sort of technology combines with other technology, you know, code starts writing code, data gets collected at a faster rate, and then you get some sort of tipping point or accelerated returns. Is, is that not the sort of dynamic of, of self-driving cars? Well, I mean, if you have to open your iris, the, that tipping point, which may seem instantaneous, is decades in the making, decades. And so, you know, how many uh, factors have to... Um, uh, cohere or and intersect for that tipping point to arrive. Decades of those factors. So nothing's immediate except the you know people who benefit from saying it is. Okay. Have they been lying for a while or have they just been wrong? Well, self-driving vehicles and autonomous vehicles are um, 
have been around for decades, not at scale or affordable. You know, there are certainly <laughs> the line between lying and exaggerating in Silicon Valley is <laughs> about this big. There were in 2016, I believe, or 2015, 2016, uh, there was uh, Travis Kalanick, the founder of Uber, claimed that uh, they were going to order 100,000 Mercedes-Benz S-Classes for delivery in 2020 and that, that we could expect a vast rollout. No one I know, no engineer, no one in business development anywhere believed that to be true. And so I wouldn't call that lying except as a forward-leaning statement, which was just not credible. I, I, I mean, Elon Musk has made many, many statements. I don't yeah. think he's lying. I think he believes what he's saying. But he's notorious for pushing his engineers to do things they didn't think they could do. But if one opens one's iris, it's never seemed plausible that 2020 or even 2025 would be the tipping point years. And there's a pretty simple explanation. Even if the software worked perfectly to drive a vehicle uh, or a driverless taxi um, today, right now, uh, the, the life expectancy of a car, brand new car that any people buy today is somewhere in the order of uh, at least 11, 12 years. And so if if 100% of vehicles sold today had autonomous you know software on board made them can make them autonomous today we're we'd be somewhere at the, between uh, five to twenty years before you would see ubiquity from now and would we be buying these cars or would they well, just be sort of provided to us well, nobody provides anything for free but fundamentally people just don't buy new things immediately because they, they can't afford to what they own is good enough it's sufficient and supply lines for for years since the pandemic have been strained so the hardware the chips when we need to supply all these autonomous vehicles don't exist at the scale when we need for a tipping point to occur so the tipping it was always nonsense and a just common sense knowledge of how manufacturing production works could tell you that all the software in the world, per working perfectly, would not necessarily accelerate the timeline. And that's if it worked today. And right now, there are zero vehicles for sale today to the average person that are capable of this. A Tesla might be an exception, but this is where things get murky. Because Tesla has released several generations of vehicles uh, with improving hardware. It is likely, just as, uh, as it would be for a doctor who improves their hardware over decades, that the capability of a Tesla to drive autonomously is also not the same for a four or five-year-old Tesla versus one today versus one in the future. Fundamentally, there is no tipping point because manufacturing, supply, and logistics runs the world. And no amount of marketing can, can change the realities on the ground. In your time sort of working with Argo AI, you obviously got access to very privileged information. And um, with your depth of, of expertise and knowledge, I mean, is there something that people are not talking about enough in this area, like a sort of critical problem or, or a wonderful opportunity that's not sort of openly discussed? Yeah, I mean, well, the two, the, there are two. The first thing people just don't want to admit is that most people want to own a car. It's just the nature, it, it's the uh, socio-political geography, certainly of the United States. It's different in Europe, parts of Asia, because of the geography and layout of, of cities. But in the United States, it's a country that exists in its current form because of cars, uh, first rail and then cars. And so if 100% of vehicles right now were 
perfectly capable of driverless capability. Uh, I'm quite certain that if you took a map of gun ownership in the United States and voting patterns and overlaid that, that the redder the state, the more conservative and redder that state, the more likely that people will want to, A, own the vehicles, not share them or, or bar them from a fleet, and B, they've got to have a steering wheel. It runs in the DNA of American culture. Now, this is not the true of all countries, but if there were one place that human driving would survive forever, cars with steering wheels that you own, it would be the United States versus a country like, say, China, where you have a monolithic uh, political system that may not want to allow people to own a vehicle that's disconnected and human operated so they can have some element of control. And in between, you have other markets in Asia and Europe. Uh, you know, having lived in Europe for a number of years, it, it's clear that there's a, I would say, a more optimal balance between freedom and social good in the way cities are laid out, the way regulations are written. And so Europe's a, a, a more complex complex story on that topic. It is a very fascinating product though, isn't it? Like it, it's not a sort of solution to a mobility problem. It's an expression of who we are. You know, passing your driving test is almost a kind of a rite of passage that... <laughs> is your sort of entry to the adult world. And even in places like Europe, where you may still have a sort of a bus service and other public transport. But, um, you know, Tom, I have to interrupt you there because, you yeah. know, the real problem, and it's a problem created not by you, but by people you've met in your career, is that the language of technology, the language of self-driving is itself bastardized and cheapened. What is an autonomous vehicle? The word autonomy is supposed to mean freedom. Therefore, the the best the the truest autonomous vehicle ever made would be like a Jeep Wrangler, <laughs> because it can drive. You can drive it. You've got to drive it, but you can go anywhere in it at any time. Whereas a a Lotus or a Morgan or a Porsche, like I own a Morgan, is like the least autonomous vehicle. Even if it had software on board, that thing is not going to make it a lot of places, and it you're, it actually limits your ability to get around. An autonomous vehicle in, in Paris or London, that's perfect. It's, it's the tube. So what are we talking about here? We shouldn't call them autonomous at all because if it, unless it increases your choice as a, as a consumer to do things the way you want to do them, it actually limits you. This is the new Euronews podcast, My Wildest Prediction. If you want to listen to the rest of the conversation, go to My Wildest Predictions feed. You'll find a new episode every other Wednesday starting from the 22nd of November. In the meantime, I'll be back with you next week on a new episode of Euronews Tech Talks.